like that. But pride has a lot to do with what we're talking about today and where these guys end up at and where ultimately their failure is, is in pride. And it just kept striking me how, you know, um, you know, people can go so far in their arrogance, I guess, as to completely alter themselves in their appearance to not even look human because they desire then to be a particular way other than how God had, you know, made them or who they are or whatever. And it has to do with pride. And as we look at pride and as we examine some scripture and how God feels about it and the place that it will take us to where, you know, it, it always ends in destruction. It never, it never um, comes out, we never come out on top with this sort of thing. It's always going to, we're always going to fail in this. And so it's just an interesting um, thought. And so I thought I would like gross you guys out with it too, since I've been, you know, grossed out with it all week. I thought I'd just throw it out there for you guys too, so that you could think. And if you want to look up the guy on the internet, I don't suggest you do that. Just don't go there. You know, I didn't look at it. I refrained, and you know, I think Lori's forever marred by it. So if you feel that you're that way, you want to pursue that, you can do that, but um, don't do it because you know it's gross. Let's pray. Our gracious heavenly Father, Lord, we just um, we just pray for that man. Lord, we pray for his heart and uh, one who desires to to alter himself to the point of just, you know, he doesn't even want to look like a man. Father, we pray for ourselves, Lord, for our own um, hard hearts or the places that's in our heart, Lord, that we, we just are unmovable. Break us up, Lord, and, and bring us to a place to where we can truly uh, be open to you and to be humble and contrite and, and to know that uh, how much you love us and what you've given and, and to be open to allow you to move the way that you desire to do in our lives. We ask that uh, you'll have your way with this service now, that you'll anoint your word, that you'll move in our hearts to a place that will just bring us to that complete and full trust in you. And we can be different when we leave here today, Lord, to be open and more receptive to you and, uh, and to be humbled, Father, so that we can release those things that plague us in that way, Lord. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So in 2 Samuel 17, <clears throat> starting at verse 1, Moreover, Ahithophel said to Absalom, Now let me choose 12,000 men, and I will arise and pursue David tonight. I will come upon him while he is weary and weak and make him afraid. And all the people who are with him will flee. I will strike only the king then I will bring back all the people to you. When all return except the man who when all return except the man who you seek, all the people will be at peace. And the saying pleased Absalom and all the elders of Israel. Now we realize that Absalom is in full rebellion here. That King David had to flee Jerusalem, and um, though he's uh, uh, and and so. Um, <clears throat> He's still in control as he avoids bloodshed and, and different things on different fronts and that kind of thing. Absalom is entering Jerusalem with Ahithophel and he meets up with um, Hushai, a friend and counselor of the king and who's also a spy. And we're going to see him in a second as uh, they get set up here 
you know, and he's going to thwart the counsel here that Ahithophel gives us that we just looked at here. But it's interesting in verse 16, in chapter 16, verse 23, it says, and so all the advice of Ahithophel, you know, both with David and with with, uh, Absalom was as if they were inquiring at the oracle of God. So everything this guy said was like, just came from God. And so when he gave this advice, and, you know, and, and, um, he said that he was going to be, you know, just give me 12,000 guys and, give them, and let me choose them. He's like going, let me choose them, which I think he probably already had them, you know, chose. I think he was ready to move. I think he was ready to strike. He had it set up. So he says, let, let me choose 12,000 guys. Let me pursue them. Let me go fast. Let me go quick. And, and, uh, and uh, so as we get to, uh, you know, and I can catch up with him. And uh, everybody's going to see us coming. They're going to get scared. They're all going to jam and flee. And uh, I will just kill him. And then everyone will say, oh, okay. It's cool. And so I will bring everybody back. And um, then we'll just be done with it. And it's just going to be, that's, everything is cool. So he's, he's, got, he's, he's got this whole scenario established. He's ready to go. And he wants to kill the king. He's going to lead them. He's going to kill them, to kill the king. And so David's escape route is, is interesting. Um, uh, it, it's kind of like he's, like Jerusalem is here and then to the northeast, as you would be looking at it. It's kind of like he's going northeast. He kind of goes up over the Mount of Olives and Barim is right there, as, right towards the, you know, in that area there as they come down. And then as they go out, he's headed out towards uh, like Jericho. He gets into that area there, and then he's going to cross the Jordan and go to a, a little city that's right there that I have a really hard time pronouncing, so I won't look at, get there until I see that name in my notes because I don't know how to pronounce that at this moment. So <laughs> it's kind of a tongue twister. So I'll, when I get there, I'll give it a shot. But uh, he's he's... He's got. Uh, he's moving pretty fast. It's about 23 miles from from Jerusalem to Jericho, and so he's not quite to to the Jordan. You remember when the children of Israel with Joshua came up, and they were going to cross, you know, the Jordan, and the first place they hit is Jericho and all that. And 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 you know when they first entered into the Promised Land and all that. So there's a little bit of a place there that they had to move to the city, but it's about 23 miles or so to Jericho and so it's a good 25 20 mile plus you know hike down there and he's he's moving that quickly he is jamming but he's got you know women and kids and and animals and old people and all kinds of stuff and so you know it's it's uh it's a difficult thing and he's got this whole group of people he's trying to take with him and Ahithophel knows this and he knows how easily he can cross that distance with twenty thousand, with twelve thousand guys. And he knows that the the soldiers are going to be tired. That's going to be a tough, and, you know. And so it's going to be um, interesting, you know, when they get there. Um, uh, and so he has no real place to hold up. He's going to be out in the open, and uh, he's he knows that if he moves quickly, he's going to nail them. And so, you know. Um, and then he feels that once David is killed, then the fighting is going to stop. And so, but he is making incredible time, King David is. It's kind of a trip. 
just how quickly he can move. But, you know, now we're going to see God intervene here. And uh, we're going to kind of see the correlation here and kind of see the different um, pride trips that, that are kind of going on. As we read this and as, and as you examine this scripture, you'll see that Ahithophel is saying that he is going to be the one that's going to pursue. He's going to be the one that's going to kill uh, the king and he's going to set this up. I think he's had an agenda for a long time and I think that he really, really, really wants to look in the king's eyes when he kills him. I think he's wanted to do this for a long time and now his chance is here and he's ready to go and that's that and and I think that this probably is the place where the folly is really going to come into and I think this is where his his fault does come in in this is because his pride is so what if he would have just said hey you know what I think that if uh, uh, we just you you know what we'll do is we'll pick 12,000 guys and then you know, I'll be with you, but you take them. You pursue the king. You take him out. I don't even know if they'd have brought Hushai in to even talk to him. I think they would have just been jamming already. I think he would have already done it. But God's got his hands all over this. And, and, and he's thwarting this whole plan and, and, and pushing things around. And, and he's having his way, even though it seems pretty crazy. And everything is all up in the air. God is in 100% complete control of this whole situation. And yes, the king had to go into exile. Why didn't he just, you know, why didn't Absalom just get in a car accident or something and just take him out before the stuff ever happened? Why couldn't all that just happen? Why couldn't everything just, you know, he just stopped it right there. But no, all of this is taking place and, and it's moving in a particular direction according to God's plan and stuff. And I'm not so sure that God isn't got his eye on Absalom and Ahithophel also, that, that there's, he's giving them a chance to repent and to return and to change and to come back and to stop. I think they're all given a chance here. And though the king is in exile and it's a horrible place that he's in and, and where he's at, I think he's given them opportunity but they never take it. But he's given them opportunity to turn around and change and to do things different. And so as we look at the next group here, the advice of Hushai, then Absalom says, now call Hushai the archite also and let us hear what he says too. And then Hushai came to Absalom and Absalom spoke to him saying, Ahithophel has spoken in this manner. Shall we do as he says? If not, speak up. So Hushai says to Absalom, the advice that Ahithophel has given is not good at this time. For, says Hushai, you know your father and his men that they are mighty men and they are enraged in their minds like a bear robbed of her cubs in the field and your father is a man of war. He will not camp with the people. Surely by now he is hidden in some pit or in some other place and it will be when some of them are overthrown at the first that whoever hears it will say, there is a slaughter among the people who follow Absalom. And even he who is valiant, whose heart is like the heart of a lion, will melt completely. For all Israel knows that your father is a mighty man, and those who are with him are valiant men. Therefore I advise that all Israel be gathered to you, from Dan to Beersheba, like the sand that is by the sea of multitude, and that you go to battle in person. And so we will come upon him in some place where he may be found and we will fall on him like the dew falls on the ground. And of him and all the men who are with him, there shall not be left so much as one 
Moreover, if he is withdrawn into a city, then all Israel will bring ropes to that city and we will pull it into the river until there's not one small stone found there. And so all the men of Israel said, the advice of Hushai the archite is better than the advice of Ahithophel, for the Lord has purposed to defeat the good advice of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring disaster on Absalom. He's got it handled. He's got it under control. It says so straight up. So God's intervening here. And this is an answer to, the God, to David's prayer in two different ways. God asks in, in chapter 15, 31, he asks God to, to, um, to thwart his uh, Absalom and to cause his counsel to turn to foolishness. And, um, <clears throat> and so... Uh, also, you know, um, though the advice that Ahithophel gave was really the best advice for the situation, then God laid it on David to send Hushai back there and to, uh, to mess up the council that was there. And so there's a couple of different ways that this whole thing is going on here. Um, and let's face it, you know, the guys that's hanging with David at that time not going to be easy yeah he's got 12,000 guys he's got fresh troops and he's probably going to win but it's going to be nasty because these guys aren't going anywhere they're going to stay they're not going to run away I think that uh, you know Ahithophel's kind of you know saying yeah yeah it's going to be easy and it's going to be killer and it's going to be cool and stuff but he knows exactly what he's doing but he knows the king is in the open he knows he's going to be there and that he's going to be able to take him out if those guys spread him out and once the king is dead, then the fighting will stop because there's no reason for them to continue. Now, you know, <laughs> Hushai's advice isn't necessarily all that bad because, let's face it, you know, if, he, if, if uh, Ahithophel brings all those guys back somewhere, somewhere down the line, somebody's going to kill Absalom, that's for sure. And it's going to be Joab or Abishai or it's going to be Ahithophel himself or it's going to be somebody. They're going to take him out. He's not going to make it. You know, he's got to get rid of all of them. They, none of those guys are going to be able to hang, you know. And so they're, they're not all going to be come back and, you know, sing Kumbaya and have a big group hug and everyone's going to be happy. And yeah, let's just keep on going the way it is. And you're all awesome and stuff and everything. The way these guys are, it's just like the guy probably won't last the night, you know, by the time they get back. And so who knows? And I don't think um, Ahithophel is going to make it all that long either. And he may even know that, and he don't care, which we see later on. But anyways, um, so um, <clears throat> God has already set it up so that he's going to turn this council to foolishness, and he's going to lay it on David, you know, to, to send Hushai to mess things up. And he does, and he does a pretty good job. He convinces me because, you know, I, <laughs> you know, if I was weighing it out and knowing David and the warrior that he is, it sounded pretty good to me, you know. And uh, but I don't think that would have. I think it would have happened kind of in between the two. But I think Ahithophel would have been successful in his thing here. And the way that the word puts it, he probably wanted to be. I think it would have happened that way. And God, you know, kind of shares it that way with us. So, <clears throat> but anyways. The thing that's important here is is the way that that he sets this whole thing up so that um, you know the uh, 
you can see the pride trip that Hushai is putting in to give it, laying on Ab, uh, Absalom at this time, you know, so that he's kind of the one that's the conqueror and he's the one that's the king and he's the one that's doing it all and uh, he's going to wind up being the big hero. So the first thing that Hushai does is he casts doubt on, on um, Ahithophel's advice that it's not good at this time. So he casts doubt right off. He says, nah, it's not good. It's not going to work, you know. And so right off the bat, he casts doubt. And then he instills fear and caution. And uh, he says that uh, he's got his mighty men and they're mad. You know, they're like furious. And you know what these guys are capable of doing. And he goes, and your father is a man of war, so be careful. You know, you, you can't just go rushing this guy because he's going to be ready to fight. And, uh, and then he says, you're going to need a strategy because he's not going to even be with the people. He's going to be hiding off in a pit somewhere or in a cave. He's, going to be, he's not even going to be with those guys. You're going to come up on the people. There's going to be a couple of soldiers there, and they're going to nail you from the side. You better be ready and figure out some kind of a way to make sure that you're protected because they're going to come after you. You know, all of a sudden, you're going to find yourself in a world of hurt, and you don't want to be in that position because they're going to be coming after you. <clears throat> and, but understanding the lay of the land and that David can't move very fast, even though he is jamming, he is out in the open. And so there probably isn't a whole lot of places that he can hide. And, uh, they, and everybody seems to know that, but uh, they're kind of eating up what this guy has to say as to whether God's just kind of clouding their thought or whatever. I don't know, but uh, you know they're not thinking straight here. And so they're saying that he's hiding somewhere. And then they said that the resistance may be stronger than you think. And I think that's true. I think that somebody is, <laughs> that they're definitely going to get killed. There's going to be some guys that's going to get thrashed, you know. I, I guarantee you that. And the one thing that maybe, I don't know if Ithafel even thought about it or not, but uh, if he's leading the pack, he's probably going to be the first to go because these guys will definitely take him out. They will be looking for him and they're going to take him out. That's that's what they do. What you do is you look for the head guy, and if you take him out, then you knock out the head, and then everybody else is in confusion because they lost their leader, and that is exactly what they will do. And, and these guys know war. That's their job. And so that would be the first thing they do. But maybe Ahithophel doesn't even care at that point. Or maybe he can hang back enough to let the guys make the first wave, and if he can get in and nail the king, then it doesn't matter whether he even gets out of there alive or not. He doesn't care by that point. He wants to take him out. Because he doesn't value his life all that much, as we're going to see here in a little bit. He doesn't really care. Because his agenda was to kill the king, and he wanted to be the one to do it. And so he's going to do whatever it takes to get there. And so, <clears throat> but he says, you know, it's going to be tough. And then if somebody starts getting killed and guys start falling and everything like that, then, then they're going to get all scared and they're all going to run away and, and everything. And, and then when the, all of the nations of Israel is going to hear that you got, you started getting beat up and everything, and then they're going to like run away and everyone's going to hate you. And, and, and it's just going to be a huge disaster and, and, oh, it's going to be terrible. And they're going, he's going, man, yeah, maybe if someone start falling, then maybe, maybe everyone will hate me and, and, and I'll be weak and, oh, no. So 
like you're just casting this whole cloud onto this thing of of and appealing to his you know his fear and everything Can you imagine how he must feel you know he's a young man and he's pushed and pushed and he finally has this position can you imagine the fear that he must have been going through and all the stuff in his head and which direction he should be going and god's nailing him you know he is you know that he's saying you don't belong here you're not supposed to be in this position and you're not supposed to be doing that. And he keeps pushing that out of his head because as we're going to look here in a little bit, that's exactly what pride does. It pushes God out of the way and it puts me in the forefront so that I will take my agenda, my ideas and who I am and I will promote those and push them forward. That's exactly what he's doing. And as he gets farther and farther and farther out in the front by himself, the fear is tremendous. And Hithophel is helping him, dragging him out. And Hushai is pushing him from the back, you know. And he's like, you know, the, the killer spy. He's the one that's seeking God. He's the one that's, that's got it right. He's the one that, that, you know, is like, yeah, go for it, dude, you know. Go for there. Yeah, you can do this. Do it. And he begins to appeal to him, you know. And, and now that whole thing of, you know, you're going to get wiped out if you go with just that little water guy. So why don't you like call everybody get them all, get the whole army, go from the north to the south, get every single guy. Let's make this massive, huge army and we're going to attack, you know, and, and we're going to like overcome him. Just as like like the dew on the grass, man. He's going to be covered. You know how dew is? It covers everything. Oh, we don't have dew, but you know, if you ever if you ever saw what dew might do, I don't know. You know, if you've ever experienced that, you know, in your life, you know, if you've been somewhere where they actually have something like that, um, he's like going. It, it just covers everything. It's dripping off of stuff, and you're like going, "Wow, did it rain?" And it's like, "No, no, man, it's dew." Go back and lay down. And so, you know, it just covers everything. And he's just like, man, just we're just going to like wipe him out. And you get the lead-ass. You, you're the guy in charge. And we're just going to wipe him out. And you're going to be in charge. And you're going to be like way up there. And we're just going to like carry you back. You know, it's going to be so awesome. What a wonderful victory that you're going to have and how cool this whole thing is going to be. Overwhelm him and we're going to kill them all. Every one of them. There ain't going to be no Joab. There ain't going to be no Abishai. You're not going to be looking over your shoulder and worrying about this dude and that dude. We are going to kill every single one of them so that way you don't ever have to worry about some guy coming in in the night and sticking a knife in your belly and all those other weird stories that these guys did, you know, or, you know, giving him a haircut or some kind of thing when he's not looking. <clears throat> Which... You know, if you read later on, he should have got a haircut before he went to battle, but that's on the, we'll let Pastor Zeke handle that one. He gets to have the fun part, you know, <laughs> when David gets to overcome and come back in. You know, again, you know, I know I'm, I'm busting the story, but if you read it, read it already, then 
If you're waiting, you know, for us to tell you, don't do that. Read it. It's fun. It's a, it's a wonderful um, uh, whole story of, of humanity and life here. And there's all kinds of life um, teachings in this. Just And we, can, we hit on a few, but there's hundreds of them in here. But anyways, so he's, he's, his whole, he's appealing to the pride of Absalom here. You know, and uh, he's, you know, telling him to gather the whole army, overcome him. You know, they're going to number like the sand on the beach. Excuse me. And then we're just, they're just overcome them and you're going to lead them and they're dust. You know, they can't even. And the cool thing about this is he's buying time and we know this. If he'd have taken the 12,000 and jammed right then at that moment in time, He'd have won. But because they got to gather everybody from the whole reaches of the earth and bring everybody into one big pile and, and everything and stuff, and by the time they start moving and everything, David is down and crossed, and he's set himself up in a city, and he's safe. And so um, he's buying him time here, you know, so that he can be successful and get away in, um, in that sort of thing. <clears throat> and then it says here in verse 14 that the Lord purposed to defeat the good advice of Ahithophel and to bring disaster on Absalom. And so Absalom and Ahithophel and none of those followers or anything ever considered the Lord in any of this. Because if he would have, if they would have said, Lord, you know, where am I at? What should I do? Or what's going on? Well, you should, they would have been stopped right off. He would have known better. He would never have went there. He never would have. None of this stuff is, all this is unnecessary. It never should have happened. Oh, there's all kinds of reasons and all kinds of stuff that we can look at, the peripherals of what David did or didn't do or Absalom and all that kind of stuff and everything. But let's face it, they didn't seek God. And that was where the great folly is. And that's where everything fell apart. They didn't seek God. And, and as we see King David moving out and getting away and stuff, all of a sudden we see his real heart come out and we see the wisdom that comes out. And man, what is the first place he goes? He's on his knees, man. He is seeking God the whole way because he knows how vulnerable he is. And there's only one way that he's going to make it through this. And the only way that he's going to make it through this is if God's got his back and he knows that. He knows where God has t taken him. He knows that the, the, uh, the forgiveness and things that's gone on in his life and everything. And, and now he, he begins to see how God's hand is. He's got only one place to go and the trust is only in one direction. So he's going to um, continue to trust. And so we see that pride here is really the, the place that, that Absalom and um, Ahithophel have come to. And, and uh, Ahithophel has a appointed agenda. Absalom maybe does, but maybe, you know, he just wants to be top dog. He wants to be in charge. He wants to be the number one guy. He wants to be the one that everybody wants to look at. It's two different kinds of pride, but both of them, uh, is, it's an interesting thing, but they kind of come together. Psalm 73, 6 says, Therefore pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. 
again, the New Living Translation says that they're clothed with cruelty and pride is worn around the neck like a jeweled necklace. When I get caught up in, I can clothe myself in cruelty and I get this jeweled necklace and I put it on and that's what pride is. That's because, you know, I, I completely move away from, from God. I start to focus on myself. And if I'm going to wear, you know, big jewels and all that kind of stuff, my whole thought is to look at me and look at what I am and how rich I am and, and all that kind of stuff. Or I have some, I'm real smart or I've got some kind of ideas or I'm going to be a great leader or a ruler or whatever. And it's like a necklace around me t- telling everybody how awesome I am and how great I am, or how rich I am, or that kind of thing. <clears throat> and so he says that, that this jewelry is worn to be seen, and it's a look at me, and who I am, and what I am. Proverbs sixteen eighteen says, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before the fall. Be wary, be careful, think about these things. I don't know anywhere in here where it says that, Pride is going to be, you're going to be successful, you know, and, and that you're going to make it through. It just doesn't happen. <clears throat> I get so caught up in myself and everything that I can't see that the destruction is coming. That's where these guys are. Absalom and Ahithophel, they get so caught up in this, they don't see it. They never sought God. They never saw it coming. They didn't think that they could ever go down. They never thought that, that it was ever, was ever going to happen. They didn't think that it was going to happen except for Ahithophel. Because when everyone goes, hey, you know what? I think I like his idea better than yours. And he's like going, see ya. You guys are dust. You should have took my advice. And so he understands where he went up to that point and he fell off. And so, but Absalom never saw it coming. And he says, you're, you know, they, he just didn't seek him. Check this out. Psalm 10:4. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. Man, that should just grip us. If I ever think of myself as being so much more important than I really am, and, 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 I, and I promote myself, be very careful because God is not in it and he's not in my thought. Because I am in my thought. And man, if I get into that place, then that haughty spirit is going to bring me to destruction guaranteed. And I'm not going to survive it. Because I can't pull myself out of it. I can get myself into it, but I can't pull myself out of it. There's no way. I'm dust. Because I'm going down. Because I'm trusting myself. And God says, all right, go for it. That's exactly what happened here. He appealed to these guys' pride. He allowed them to move in that way. He goes, you guys don't want to know? In fact, the New Living Translation says in Psalms 10, 4 there, it says that God is dead. That's what it says. That if I get to thinking like this, I'm actually like thinking that God's dead and He just doesn't exist. And I'm more important than Him, so it doesn't matter just you know so <clears throat> i have to be wary of pride and even in my own walk with god i have to be careful 
I can't allow myself to, to get off and caught up in some kind of a thing to where I think that I'm so important or my ways are important or, or whatever or my thoughts because it's folly and it happens. You know, it, it, we see, you know, the pastors that fall in sin and that sort of thing. And it's like, how can that be? Did, didn't he like teach that stuff? How is it that he can fall? I, I don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense. Well, that's because God wasn't in his thoughts when he was caught up in that stuff. And he was promoting himself. Well, then God falls by the wayside. And when that happens, then, you know, there's no direction. And if I'm directing myself, then, you know, you know how it is. You ladies, you know, you, your husband's driving somewhere. He gets lost more and more lost and more and more lost and you know that's not true nowadays because all these you guys all have phones and so Lori is 100% my navigator she tells me and I'm not trying to be mean here but she does tell me where to go um, <laughs> you know in a loving way uh, she tells me you know how to get where it is that we're going or if we're out in somewhere and we're even out you know in the hills somewhere she can get her phone out and if she can get a connection she can tell us where we are <laughs> it's just amazing you know and she can always get us back too you know but uh still um when if i'm caught up in myself then i don't have any gps i don't have any direction i have nothing and i'm stumbling around in the dark in luke chapter 18 there's a great example of this in, um, <clears throat> in Luke chapter 18, um, verse 9. He says, Also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, wouldn't even so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted." Wow. And this guy was a religious leader. Yeah, but all those guys were jerks, man. We know that, right? Look at the way they acted. Look at the way they treated people, man, and all that stuff. And they even, like, killed the Lord and everything. That's expected. He's a Pharisee. Oh, well, I just put myself in that guy's place, didn't I? Because now all of a sudden I'm talking like him. I'm glad I ain't a Pharisee. <laughs> you know, you see what those guys did, you know? And we see that stuff continue on today. That, that people still blame the Jews or, or whatever for what happened to Jesus like, like they, you know, that that wasn't predicted. Like my sin wasn't the one that put the nails in his hands. Like somehow I didn't have anything to do with it. You know, that somehow it was just that wad of guys. And I'm like, good, you know, and stuff. Man, I'm glad I wasn't there then, you know. Yeah, I'm kind of glad I wasn't there then because I would have been one of the guys yelling crucify him and stuff. I'd have been down there trying to hit him and everything. I'd have been one of the bad guys. <clears throat> I am a bad guy. 
You don't even know. So, anyways. Because what's really cool here is, is this man says, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Matthew 5, 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, the humble who rate themselves insignificant, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Wow. How awesome that is to be in a position of humility and to be, you know, just in that spot where, God, I'm just going to trust you. And that's where David is right now. He's like going, I am insignificant. And he even has his boys all around him going, hey, I'm going to kill that guy. And he's like going, no, you're not. You're going to do what I say and we're going to jam. And you just keep moving with me. And we're not going to get caught up in all that kind of nonsense. We're moving. We're going to trust God to take us where we need to go so that we're going to be okay. We're not going to you know, get caught up in this. <clears throat> so then, back in... Um, in 17 here. Okay. I can do this. Then Hushai says to Hadok, to Zadok and Abiathar the priests, thus, and so Ahithophel advised Absalom and the elders of Israel, and thus and so I have advised. Now therefore send quickly and tell David, saying, do not spend this night in the plains of the wilderness, but speedily cross over, lest the king and all the people who are with him be swallowed up. Now Jonathan and Ahimaaz stayed at Enrogel, but they dared not be seen coming into the city. So a female servant would come and tell them, and then they would go and tell King David. Nevertheless, a lad saw them and told Absalom. But some of them went away quickly and came to the man's house. But both of them went quickly and came to a man's house in Barim, who, who had a well in his court. And they went down into it, and then the woman took and spread a covering over the well's mouth spread ground, uh, ground grain on it, and the thing was not known. And then Absalom's servants came to the woman at the house, and they said, Where are Ahimaaz and Jonathan? And so she said to them, They've gone over the water brook. And when they had searched and could not find them, then they returned to Jerusalem. Now it came to pass, after they had departed, that they came up out of the well and went and told King David. And he said to David, Arise and cross over the water quickly. For thus had Ahithophel advised against you. So David and all the people who were with him arose, crossed over the Jordan. By morning light, not one of them was left who had not gone over the Jordan. Now when Ahithophel saw that his advice was not followed, he saddled a donkey, arose and went home to his house, to his city. Then he put his household in order and hanged himself and died and was buried in his father's tomb. So Hushai buys David some time by, you know, with his strategic advice and all that kind of stuff. And so and he takes, uh, it's going to take time to, to get that whole army, you know, together and stuff. So he hooks up with Jonathan and Ahimaaz, you know, the sons of the priests. And he sends a warning to David, you know, not to spend the night out in the open, but to keep jamming, keep moving, get across the Jordan and get into the wilderness and get out of here. Don't hang. Because he doesn't know for sure if uh, um, Ahithophel isn't going to just kind of take it upon himself. I think that he had the 12,000 guys ready. I think he was ready to strike. And, uh, and, and God had his hand all over it and everything. But Hushai is like going, hey, you guys get out of sight. Because this could happen and he could be on you. Or he could even be moving in that direction. You know, just... Just uh, get out of sight, move. And so he sends his spies out and says, hey, I'm, I'm doing some song and dance here, 
but uh, let's see what happens. So you guys get out of sight because he's telling them what Ahithophel said and stuff. And so, you know, they're, they're moving. But then, you know, they're kind of hiding out, you know, and in a special spot. And this servant girl comes out and stuff. And then some kid sees them over there and rats them out to Absalom and stuff. So they have to hide in a well in these people's house and, and all that kind of stuff. But finally, they get the chance once those guys jam, they get out of that well and they're able to get to David and tell him what's going on so that uh, he can be moving and, and, and uh, jamming out of there so that he can be taken care of. And so they can keep on going. And, and so, so once he got everything, so once he got the message, he crossed the Jordan by morning. And uh, then Ahithophel, realizing that he didn't take his advice, killed himself. Because he knew that he was going to be killed as a traitor anyways because he knew that King David was coming back. You know, this is a tough, tough thing here. And this is where pride will lead us. Because sometimes if I get to the point where I think that there's no hope, that there's nothing left, there's just me, then there's nothing but for me to do but to take myself out. Now, maybe you know someone who's done that. In fact, I think we all have probably have some experience in this in some manner. And, you know, in my experience in talking with people and, and in my own experience and such, Anyone that I know that has committed suicide, they are purposed in their heart to do that, and there is no stopping them. If you really are beating yourself up or you're in some huge guilt thing about because you didn't stop somebody from doing that, drop it and give it to God because there's nothing you can do. If someone decides they're going to do that, they're going to do that. And there's no stopping it. And don't beat yourself up over it anymore. Because it's not your fault. That's something that they did. And it's not your fault. And don't carry it around. Because it's not you. One time, Gary Malkus and another brother here from church sat in, I think it was one of the, the I think the nursery used to be Larry's office up in the corner, I think. They sat in there with a guy for three hours and ministered to him, and he was, it was a suicide thing, and uh, they talked to him for three hours, and he went home and blew his brains out. And, in, and, and the way that Gary found out was because the guy was sitting, where the guy was sitting in his chair or whatever, laying on the night, on the end table next to him was Gary's phone number, and when the police came in, they saw the phone number there, so the sheriff called the phone number to see who that was. And that's how he found out after ministering to the guy half the night. If someone decides they're going to do that, then, you know, maybe you'll talk them down once, maybe twice, but if someone really purport purposes to do that, you can't stop it. And so if, you've, if that has happened to you, don't beat yourself up over it because that's something that they decided to do. And it's not your fault. It's not your fault. And don't own it. Because it's a difficult thing to work through, but um, it's just something that, uh, you know, people do that. And um, Ahithophel, there would have been no talking him out of it. He knew what was going to happen, and so he took himself out before that ever happened.
so he wouldn't go through the pain of the trial or facing David or, or all the other things that was going to happen. One time um, I was with some friends and we were street witnessing at the mall and we ran into a couple of young ladies. There was, I think there was three of us and um, I had an Astro van at the time so I had a lot of room and these young ladies, they, it, the mall was closing and they were, it was in the middle of the night, it was dark, it was cold and everything and so they asked us if we'd give them a ride home. Now, <laughs> now the first thing is, is like, no, we're not doing that because I'm not getting sued, you know, that's just crazy. But it was dark, it was cold. They were like teenagers, 14, 15 years old. They didn't need to be long out there. And so, <clears throat> and since there was the three of us and stuff, yeah, we gave them a ride home. <clears throat> we were foolish, whatever. But we did get to share with them on the way home and all that stuff, and that was cool. But um, they kind of confessed to us that how cool it would be to maybe, you know, see what was on the other side. They were curious. You know, they didn't have a whole much going on here. They didn't really have any home life or anything like that. So they just figured, you know, if I committed suicide, what would it be like over there? And so we kind of talked them down as to, yeah, but you can't come back. It's not like, you know, you're going to go and have a donut you know, and stuff. It's like, you know, I'll try that, you know. I'll, I think I'll try, you know, the egg roll today. You know, it isn't like that. But that was their attitude. That was kind of how they viewed life. You know, they figured, well, you know, we've kind of experienced here a little bit, so maybe I'll go on the other side and see what it's like over there. You know, which, you know, we were able to share with them that there is indeed an afterlife, but, you know, you're going to get there eventually, and you know Christ, and so it's going to be a good thing. So, um, you know, we just shared with them, and I don't believe there was a positive outcome in that direction, but I don't, hopefully they didn't decide to go ahead and check it out beforehand anyways, but there is some odd ideals there, but <clears throat> when it comes to suicide, just be mindful that, um, you know, when someone does decide they're going to do that, don't own it. Don't allow that to, you know, become, you know, your problem, because it's not yours. Because don't let someone get you into, that has got to be absolutely the hugest guilt trip there is. Um, and uh, don't put yourself in that position. And if this has happened to you, and you are in that position, you know, and I'm real serious about this too, please come and talk to one of the pastors here. Do not carry this around, okay? Seriously. Come to the office. You can make an appointment and you can talk with her. Uh, you can make an appointment with Pastor Zeke or Daniel or myself. You can talk to somebody. Do not carry this around. Please don't. Come and talk to somebody and, and, and let it go because it's not your fault and don't allow yourself to be caught up in that. Because I have talked to quite a few people and guilt is a huge, huge part of this. And, and it's devastating. And people get into a position to where they think that somehow it's their fault and they don't move beyond it. Don't allow yourself to get there. Or if you're in that position, you know, let God remove that and get help that way. That's why we're here. So, you know, utilize that. Verse 24 then David went to Mahanaim, Mahanaim, 
I can't say that out loud. I can say it in my brain. So anyway, Mahanim. And, a- and Absalom crossed over the Jordan, and he and all the men of Israel with him. And Absalom made Amasa captain of the army instead of Joab. Yeah, that's a good thing to happen, right? Yeah, this poor dude. Anyways, this Amasa was the son of a man whose name was Jithra, an Israelite who had gone to Abigail, the daughter of Nahasha, Nahash, 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 Nahash. We'll go with that one. The daughter of Nahash. She was a waitress at the local diner, and uh, her specialty, she, and that's where hash comes from. And then the sister of Zuriah, Joab's mother. So Israel, it, this, this guy is Joab's cousin, okay? Just leave it at that, because I'm not going to go back through that again. But that's his, his mom's sister's kid, and, and, and this whole song and dance about the guy going into her and all that kind of stuff, that's just weird. So that's just Joab's cousin. Uh, which is was probably a problem anyways. And if this guy is Joab's cousin and this job was offered to you, would you guy going, yeah, I'll take it? I don't think so. You know, be like, you know what? You know, ask somebody else, because I know this guy. We used to play and he used to hit me with rocks and stuff. And it's like, no, nah, I, nah, I, I don't want to have anything to do with that guy. And I certainly don't want his job. Anyways, <clears throat> now it happened when David had come to Mahanim that uh, Shobi, the son of Nahash from uh, Rabbah of the people of Ammon, Machur, the son of Amiel from Lodibar, and Godzilla, the Gilead from <laughs> Rogalim. And I'm not even going to try, okay? You know, I'm not even going to try. And you know who I'm talking about, and he never shows up in my portion again, but Pastor Zeke will have to deal with this guy oh, a number of times. And we will let him do the pronunciation. And so I will set the spot right there, and he can call him Godzilla too. And so we'll just go with that. He seems like a pretty cool guy too, actually. You know, but uh, anyways... Um, and he has nothing to do with the lizard man I was talking about to begin with. That's something totally different. But anyways, uh, and these guys out brought out beds and basins, earthen vessels and wheat, barley and flour, parched grain and beans, lentils, parched seeds, honey and curds, sheep and, and cheese of the herd for David and the people who were with him to eat. For he said, the people are hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. So David goes to Mahanaim, and uh, this is a kind of a neat place because Jacob and Laban kind of come together. And if you read that whole story, it's in, and it kind of comes to a culmination in Genesis 32, and they kind of build pillars, which is kind of what the name means, so that they kind of say, you stay on your side, and I'll stay on my side, and we won't bother each other anymore, okay? So you guys just kind of, and so they kind of went their separate ways. And this is when he found out that Esau was coming to talk to him. And so he was kind of tripping over the whole thing and stuff. And this is kind of the area where this kind of sprang up. And then also in this city is where Ishibosheth was made um, Saul's son when he died. That's where Ishibosheth was made king um, of the ten tribes or the, the uh, yeah, the ten tribes uh, or the eleven, I guess, because Benjamin wasn't really with Judah at that time since Saul came from Benjamin. But anyways, that's where he was king there. And, and David was, was king over uh, Judah for like seven and a half years. But this is where a lot of this stuff kind of came. So it's an interesting place for him to wind up at. 
you know, and um, and he he winds up, you know, in this city, and then Absalom shows up, and he camps in the area of Gilead, which is probably just to the south of the city there, if you look on a map, and so he's hanging out in the plain and that sort of thing. But once inside the city, David and those, they can get the food and the rest and everything they needed, and now he has a place to plan and be careful because he's got the position now. He's somewhat safe. He has some breathing room, and now he can set up a plan, and he does. And be careful because these guys come out of the, this city like bees out of a hornet's nest. Trust me, man. They are ready to jam. And so um, uh, things are going to change drastically for Absalom because David caught his breath. And so he's going to be coming out. So, you know, then David and, you know, gets the rest he needs and then he's going to be able to plan and that sort of thing. <clears throat> so, as we looked, as we talked about the guy who wants to look like a lizard, we look at Absalom and Ahithophel as we examine ourselves in this place and we look at Ahithophel and his ultimate decision to take his own life, we see how pride dictates, how it runs everything and stuff. But, and as we think about that, as we, we realize the, the position that these, that these men had placed themselves in, and then as we go back and we look here, then at, um, let's see if I can find that quickly. I can't, but that's okay. Psalm 10, 4 says, The wicked in his proud countenance does not see God. God is in none of their thoughts. Think about that as we turn over to Psalm chapter 3 and we look at Psalm chapter 3 because this is a psalm that David wrote while he was on the run from Absalom. Now check out the comparison here. Psalm chapter 3. Check this out. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say to me, there's no help for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me my glory in the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice and he heard me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your awesome that's where he came to you had a guy who was completely on the run completely exposed completely out in the open and he was trusting god 100 percent. the other guys had the kingdom they had the covering they had the army they had it all and as we're going to see the defeat and the destruction is huge and the one that trusted god comes out on top because with the one, the pride was the destruction. And with the other, complete trust in God. And the victory wound up being His. And that's where they landed. Awesome. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just glory in You, Lord. We thank You that, that we can see these kind of examples and, and, and just Your awesome love that You have the, for us, Lord. That You're always willing and waiting and you just want us to, to acknowledge you, to, to 
draw close, to, to seek you out no matter what. Father, forgive us for our unbelief, for our pride that we allow to creep in, in, in into certain areas. Lord, if we got pride anywhere in our lives, break it up, Lord, remove it. Take it away, Father, so that we can be then that uh, humbled and, and uh, just waiting on you, not caught up in ourselves. Forgive us, Lord, for where we have placed you in our lives. We want you to be number one and in the first place. We don't want you to be behind us. We want to ever cling to you, Father, and to allow you then to care for us. We want to be ever under your wings and in your protection. We don't ever want to be by ourselves and in the open and exposed. But if we ever feel that way, we know that we can trust you and run to you no matter what. Lord, we glorify you, we honor, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you struggle with things and you know that there's areas of your life that you want to break up and let go of, come up and give prayer for those things and let God take care of it. Because we all get into those positions. There's nothing like, you know, that, that, you know, it's a bad thing. It is a bad thing, but it's, we're humans. We're in the flesh. And so we allow our flesh to dictate. Don't let your flesh dictate your life. Give it over to God and come up and give prayer for that. God bless you guys. <clears throat>